Good morning and a warm welcome to the presentation of ACOST's year-end report for 2022. Our CEO, Ross Adams, and our CFO, Emily Villas, will present the results and developments in the last quarter and the full year. You can ask questions throughout the whole presentation by typing them in the text box below on your screen, and we will answer them in the Q&A session after the presentation. And now I would like to hand over to our CEO, Ross Adams. Thank you. Uh, hello, everyone, and thank you for taking the time to listen to our report for the last quarter of 2022. Uh, in case you're new to our calls, as you just heard, my name is Ross Adams, and I'm the CEO of this wonderful business, uh, ACAST, based normally in New York. Uh, and our CFO, Emily Villat, and I will take you through the numbers and events for the past quarter. 2022 has been, um, and I use uh, this word and all of its meanings, an interesting year for the podcast industry and the world generally. Uh, it started off positively with the medium continuing to grow at lightning speed. Uh, the macroeconomic headwinds uh, strengthened through the events um, uh, strengthened though with the events uh, like the war in Ukraine and rise in inflation wreaking havoc on the world's economy. This impacted the industry too. Uh, naturally, brands started to be more prudent with their spending. Despite this, Acast has increased the number of shows on the platform, uh, the number of listens uh, to those podcasts and average advertisers spend during the year. Um, the average marketing spend per advertiser increased by 46% compared to the year prior. Taking a look at the final quarter of the year, we've seen positive um, development with good organic growth. Uh, in Q4, we saw in Q4 we saw uh, revenues grow by 35% uh, compared to uh, 2021 uh, with. Um, one second, sorry about this, with a gross margin of 35%. Uh, we've halved our losses since Q3, and even in a more challenging macro environment, we are moving towards profitability in 2024. Uh, the gradually increased uncertainty in the outside world during the year has affected the advertising market uh, also towards the end of the year. However, with some improvements in both Europe and North America, uh, during the fourth quarter, we saw a continued growth of programmatic ad sales, um, a more automated way of buying and selling media through the use of technology, uh, real-time data and algorithms. And by the end of the year, programmatic sales accounted for 13% of our total revenues. Uh, the cost reductions announced at the end of the summer are now completed and we entered uh, 2023 with a stable foundation to continue developing the company and create the most valuable podcast marketplace in the world. Uh, the path to profitability for ACAST lies in a focused effort on our internal efficiency and cost controls combined with healthy growth created through proactive investments in developing our advertising offering. Looking at the full year, uh, the net sales growth is 36% with a gross margin of 34%. Uh, the year has been characterized by increased um, uncertainty regarding the macroeconomic development, which has affected net sales growth compared to 2021. But again, both third and fourth quarters show that we're moving towards profitability. During the fourth quarter, I'll highlight several developments that show uh, what we are doing to innovate and push the industry forward while advanced, uh, advancing our own position in the market. 
Firstly, Amazon Music and Acast entered an agreement to deliver ad-free podcasts for Prime members and Amazon Music Unlimited subscribers. The agreement means that Amazon has purchased all the ad inventory across thousands of Acast podcasts. Monetization in the podcasting space has diversified massively in recent years. Uh, This deal opens up uh, an additional channel to increase revenue and improve our sell-through rates based on our large ad inventory of Acast's marketplace. Uh, We anticipate opening up more opportunities like this in the industry going forward. Uh, Next, let's look at our strength in the US. And for those who aren't familiar, PodTrack is the leader in podcast measurement and provides advertisers with free monthly access to PodTrack verified reach and delivery information for top sales networks. Uh, For all three months in the last quarter, Acast placed a number two in PodTrack's ranker for podcast sales network in the US. Uh, This industry data demonstrates that ACAST is truly one of the leading players uh, in a growing U.S. market. Another clear marker of our strength is our dominance uh, of rankers in both Sweden and the U.K. Uh, Podindex is based on actual listening figures. And if you look at this snapshot taken recently uh, at any one time, uh, we represent around 60 percent of the top commercial podcasts in Sweden. This dominance is echoed in the UK, too. Uh, The the Apple podcast charts are not based on listening figures, uh, but provide a great proxy for the most popular podcasts within that region. And as you can see here, our snapshot has us representing 70 percent of the top 10 podcasts in the UK and 50 percent or 56 percent of the top 50. Uh, These levels uh, of market share are a true validation that the top podcasts in the world trust ACAST and our revenue models. Uh, These numbers are reflected in ACAST market share uh, of podcast advertising revenue. Uh, In Sweden, we estimate our market share to be around 40% based on the data from IRM and the IAB who examined the Swedish market. Uh, Podcast advertising is steadily increasing in Sweden, but it's still only a very small part of the overall advertising market. And according to our own estimates and estimates from a previous market study by PwC, uh, we are by a good margin the largest player when it comes to podcast advertising revenue within the UK. Helping advertisers find their audience accurately, contextually, authentically, safely and transparently will be absolutely vital to um, uh, vital in podcast advertising, as well as solutions to buy ads in an automated way through programmatic ads uh, or self-serve. I touched briefly on our uh, innovation a few minutes ago, and this innovation has not slowed when it comes to our advertising capabilities. Uh, During Q4, we launched keyword targeting, allowing uh, advertisers to match their brand with the most relevant conversations happening in individual podcast episodes through AI. And this means advertisers are able to target individual conversations in a podcast, even if that podcast doesn't necessarily fall into the category of podcasts they'd usually spend against. This opens up a whole swathe of new opportunities for ACAST um, and for our advertisers. Contextual advertising is becoming a crucial tool in ensuring timely relevance and circumventing the death of the cookie. 
Uh, keyword targeting is a part of our suite of winning contextual tech to match shows with advertisers in a scalable way, allowing us to sell even more uh, across podcasts that are not yet monetized to their full potential. Adding to this innovation uh, in expanding uh, advertising opportunities across our inventory of podcasts, for the first time ever in podcasting, advertisers can now leverage their own first party data to target high value audiences across the ACAST marketplace. ACAST's first party data solution comes to market as advertisers continue to prepare the anticipated death of the cookie and restrictions on use of mobile identifiers, which will require them to rely on their own first party data. And we've developed an industry first identity graph tailored just for podcasting. Through a combination of IP address as well as other unique listening consumption signals, the ACAST identity graph enables advertisers to onboard their own first party data and to find and match their high valued audience segments across the ACAST marketplace, creating new ways to target relevant audiences who consume podcasts. Uh, and we also launched our self-serve advertising platform to allow any advertiser to start their own podcast ad campaign for just uh, as little as 250 bucks. Uh, this removes the need for humans in the loop as advertisers can plan, book and measure their own campaigns all through our platform, thus increasing more passive revenue opportunities for both ACAS and the podcasters on our platform. A truly scalable solution. For ACAST, it opens up yet another revenue channel where we are able to target a broader base of our podcast inventory and automate advertising sales even further. This is an important step in our strategy to become the number one player in the podcasting industry. And a few more words about programmatic. In recent years, there's been a shift towards programmatic ad sales uh, in the podcast industry led by ACAST. Um, while programmatic podcasts Advertising still represents a small fraction of the overall spend against podcast advertising. It is expected to grow, and we have seen this happen. As said earlier, programmatic sales accounted for 13% of our revenue at the end of the year. The automated processes of programmatic benefit both advertiser and ACAST, offering the advertiser a seamless, effective buying route and ACAST uh, increased sell-through rates without requiring the same increase in human-led sales efforts, key to creating operational leverage. So where is the podcasting market right now, and what can we expect going into 2023? Well, it's clear the podcast medium still has massive room for growth. And in fact, over the next three years, it is estimated that the industry's revenue is expected to climb to $4 billion. And PwC estimates that the global podcasting ad market will grow 15% next year, with the US growing by high single digits. And we expect growth comparatives to be tougher in the first half of the year and then easing into the second half. Programmatic has remained the fastest growing advertising channel, and it has the potential to pick up pace quickly, pending further signs of a general ad market inflection. Looking further into the development of podcast buying, with ACAST now having not only programmatic pipes in place, but conversational targeting capabilities, including by keyword and a self-serve advertising platform. We now effectively have the building blocks for the ad words of, of podcasting. 
While podcasting grows, uh, we'll all be keeping a close eye on the economic climate, of course. And it's interesting time for any business at the moment. But we're confident that we'll come out of the other side stronger in a growth industry and maintain our position as the beating heart of the podcast ecosystem. We are confident that our business model, where creators keep control of their IP, where they can distribute their show across all listening platforms and where we remain leading innovators is proving resilient. I'll now hand over to Emily to talk you through our financial performance for the quarter in more detail. Emily. Thank you, Ross. All right, so let's have a look at the numbers for the quarter. First of all, listens grew by 22% compared to Q4 2021. And this growth has come with lighter effort than previously as part of our deliberate strategy to focus on monetizing our existing portfolio. Uh, But we still achieved 92,000 shows at the end of the quarter on the platform. Uh, we can see these efforts on monetization evidence in our average revenue per listen, or ARPL, which grew to 0.34 SEKs, reflecting an increasing monetization of each listen. The increase in ARPL has been driven, driven by increasing the amount of inventory sold or seller rate, a slightly higher ad load, and a pricing strategy allowing for some flexibility. And the potential for ARPL to grow over time remains, and we will dig into that a bit deeper in a minute or two. Over to net sales. Um, we were happy to see net sales growth rebound to 35% in Q4. And organic growth as well has, was materially better than the prior quarter, coming in at 24%. Q4 is, per usual, the highest revenue quarter in the year due to ad market seasonality. And we were pleased with the results achieved. Now, let's look a little closer at how the net sales have been built up for the full year. And for those who attended the Capital Markets Day, you will recall that our ad sales are built up by multiplying the number of listens on ACOS shows with the number of available ad slots per listen. And this gives us our available inventory. The sell-through rate represents the percentage of inventory sold, and multiplying the number of sold ads with the average price gives us our net sales from ads. So how do we do in 2022? Well, our listens grew by 38% overall in the year, and our available inventory grew a little bit faster due to a slight increase in available ad slots. Uh, at the same time, our sell-through rate increased to 29%. And with this level of sell-through rate, we have actually allowed ourselves some flexibility in our pricing or CPM that you can see here, which reflects the current market conditions and which has been helpful in growing our overall revenues. To conclude, our net sales grew by 36% in the year, whilst our average revenue per listen remained flat compared to the prior year at 0.22 SEKs. And when it comes to ARPL, our playbook uh, remains the same for the future. In addition to growing our lessons, increasing the seller rate, as well as the potential for opening new ad slots, provides an opportunity to increase our average revenue per listen over time. Okay, now let's have a look at our segments and how they have performed in Q4. Um, it was actually Europe that took the lead on growth in Q4 with 38% net sales increase despite the economic climate. The Europe profit contribution increased whilst the contribution margin contracted slightly to 18%. 
to the good solid performance. North America also saw a rebound compared to Q3 to deliver Q4 net sales growth of 28% with Podchaser um, now contributing a full quarter, delivering 8% of that growth. The profit contribution saw um, a small decline compared to the same period last year. Other markets remained steady with 34% net sales growth and a marginal increase in contribution profits. Let's also have a look at how this growth in the different segments has developed during the year. And here we can clearly see the strong start in North America, that quick reaction uh, due to the macroeconomic climate, mainly reflected in North America in Q3 and then a bounce back in Q4. In Europe, we saw growth slightly affected by inflation fears already in Q1, Q2, which also affected Q3, whereas Q4 uh, just posted the highest growth figure of all quarters. So in Europe, we're really ending the year on a high note. In other markets, we can see the macroeconomic context affecting Australia, New Zealand and other international markets in a more measured way throughout the year. I think the most notable point here is the fast movement in North American growth, uh, triple digit at the start um, and then contracting through to Q3, but also how the business adapted its staffing levels and cost line during this uh, macroeconomic shift. Now, with our full year results um, ready for 2022, uh, we also show, show the full year performance in our largest individual markets, which for us is the UK, US and Sweden. And here UK and Sweden represent the most established markets. Here we can see reported net sales growth in the range of 28% for the UK, 34% in the US and 31% in Sweden for the full year. And when looking at the development for market profit contribution, in addition to uh, delivering positive local profits received, the UK and Sweden were also profitable after allocation of global costs in 2022. Same story as in 2021. The local losses in the U.S. were impacted by one-off costs related to podcast guarantee payments in 2022. And all of these markets also absorbed one-off costs related to redundancies in Q3 and Q4 of 2022. And the U.S. would have been much closer to local break-even if discounting these one-off losses and redundancy costs. All right, let's leave the full year uh, market results for now and move back to our review of the Q4 results and the gross margin. Uh, concerning gross margin, there's not much news here. The gross margin remains steady at 35% as per the previous quarter. Other operating expenses include the first full quarter of Podchaser's operating expenses, as well as 11 million SDKs and items affecting comparability, mainly related to redundancies. Um, and I'd recall that the reduction in workforce of around 15% of ACOS staff, ex-Podchaser, that was announced in Q3 was now concluded in Q4. And these workforce reductions will realize annualized cost savings of around 77 million SEKs moving forward and will start to see that underlying cost base uh, come through in Q1 of 2023. 
At the adjusted EBITDA level, we're taking tangible steps towards profitability. Adjusted EBITDA margin of negative 7% in Q4 of 2022 is an improvement compared to the negative 8% seen in the same quarter last year. Our EBITDA development is, of course, subject to the usual seasonality, but looking ahead, our path to profitability is also underpinned by the cost reductions we have concluded in Q4. Looking at our cash position, our operating cash flows were a negative 12 million SEKs in Q4 and were impacted positively by working capital movements. I'll note as well here that uh, the positive cash flows in Q4 of 2021 were unusually high. The total cash outflow in Q4 was 38 million SEKs and the cash balance at the end of the year was a healthy 868 million SEKs. And uh, if we were to replicate this quarter with no changes in revenues, no changes in costs or cash flows, the company runway would amount to 22 quarters. But clearly, our uh, objective is to deliver positive profits at EBITDA level in 2024. So we are working, of course, to improve on our uh, profit line. But we're ending the year with a very healthy balance sheet. And I'll just conclude on that note. Ross, take it on. Thank you, Emily. Uh, we're looking forward to publishing our first full ESG report with our annual report that is coming out on the 18th of April. So please do keep an eye out for that. Uh, we're also keen to share some early results with our self-serve launch and trials once these are concluded. Uh, now, let's go to the Q&A. So if you do want to post a question, feel free uh, to type in them in the box below. Great. Thank you. And our first couple of questions comes from Arite uh, asking, what have you seen happen to ad pricing during the quarter? And do you want to answer that one? Yeah, sure. So as you saw in our uh, breakdown of our net sales build-up, we have uh, we have applied more pricing flexibility uh, this year and in Q4 uh, compared to the previous uh, quarters. I think it's also um, um, we've seen more pricing flexibility in North America compared to Europe, um, where pricing has been more stable. But having Having a relatively low seller rate has uh, meant that this pricing flexibility for us has not impaired our ability to grow our, uh, our revenues. But absolutely, there's been more pricing flexibility uh, related also to the um, position we are right now in the, ad, in the ad market cycle, but more flexibility in North America compared to Europe. Uh, great. And second question from Ariti is, there has been news reporting a slowdown in new podcasts. Is this something you are seeing? And if so, what reasons do you attribute this to? Uh, yeah, good question, Richard. Um, I, I think, you know, if you think about when the podcast industry I mean, started a very long time ago, but I think the technology, you know, more recently has enabled anyone to effectively start a podcast. Um, it is hard to build an audience um, in podcasting if you compare it to other um, influencer mediums because, you know, we consider podcasting part of that kind of influencer set. Um, and whilst technology makes it easy to create podcasts, uh, whilst we are seeing a, a slowdown of show creation, 
per se, we're still seeing the audience listening to podcasting massively increase. Um, so I don't necessarily feel that's going to be a, a, a huge trend. Um, but, um, you know, listening audiences are still increasing. Um, so inventory pools are still increasing as well. So uh, that's good for the podcast industry. Great. Thank you. Uh, our next questions come from Derek at ABG. What has your initial experience of the Amazon deal been like? And do you expect to strike similar such deals in the future? Can you give a ballpark figure on what the effect on Q4 was like? Okay, um, I can take the second part of the question. Um, you know, I think that's a fantastic deal for us. You know, it was the first of uh, that kind of deal in the industry, um, uh, and we're very proud of that deal. You know, could it be repeated? You know, absolutely with other providers. Um, we can't kind of say, you know, what what conversations are, are happening around that. But, yeah, absolutely, that is a deal that can be repeated elsewhere if we were to negotiate it. Em, do you want to comment on on the number side? Yeah, sure. Uh, in terms of the monetary value of the Amazon deal, we're not going to comment on that, but um, um, public information around Amazon listenership in the U.S., for example, puts them at um, between 1% and 2% of overall listening. So uh, it's not a material revenue line for us in the overall scheme of things, but everything counts, and it definitely co- contributed uh, a bit to our, uh, to our Q4 uh, growth. So, so uh, we were delighted with that. Everything counts. Good. Another question from Derek at APG. Gross margin was a tad lower compared to Q3. Can you give us some flavor on the drivers? How have sponsorships, host reds developed compared to, for example, pre-produced ads? Uh, I think you're uh, aging the nail on the head there. Sponsorships have continued to develop well in this market. They have been um, a, uh, a revenue line that has seen less fluctuation um, in this uh, macroeconomic climate, whereas the ads revenue line has moved moved quicker. So we had a bigger con- contribution from ads, um, for example, at, at the start of the of the year compared to uh, the end. So the product mix definitely plays in. Uh, good. Uh, we have uh, questions from Emily at Barclays. How do you expect your 2023 growth to look relative to the 15% market growth that you referenced to? I think we have a history of uh, uh, beating the market growth. Um, and I can recap, you know, the, the financial guidance that we have given of 40 to 45 percent growth over the period 2020 to 2025. Now that we have concluded 2022 and uh, with uh, strong growth of organic growth of 69 percent in 2020, 74 percent in 2021 and then 26 in 2022, right now we're averaging at 56% uh, growth for the, for the prior uh, period. And looking forward, um, if we were to achieve an average revenue growth of 30% moving forward, we would end up in the mid-range of our financial guidance for organic growth uh, for the full period. Um, if we were to end up with 24% uh, growth on average, we would end up in the lower range of our organic growth guidance. So I think we're still, um, and the reason we won't give guidance on a year-by-year basis is that we need to take this cycle into account. 
So near term, we anticipate our growth to be uh, below our future average, but towards the end of the cycle, it would be natural for that growth to pick up. And we have a, a track record of beating the overall market growth uh, for ACOS. One more question from Emily at Barclays. What are the internal efficiencies and cost control measures that you are referring to? Can you quantify the size of these? What are the 77 million headcount cost savings net of the headcount joining as part of the Podchaser acquisition? So um, uh, Podchaser brought in 44 uh, staff. Um, and looking at our, you know, our, our average um, cost per per staff, uh, you can easily calculate the contribution that that Podchaser uh, gained, both in terms of of cost line, but you can also see the revenue line if you go to the back end of the of the report. So, excluding the 44 um, staff addition from Podchaser, the 77 million in underlying cost base reduction um, uh, comes from the the other a cost element the full um, underlying cost base where we will see a full quarter of pod chaser staff and a full quarter of underlying cost base for a cost will be seen in q1 so so that will be more visible as we conclude our q1 report and put that to the market one more question from Emily. How do you explain the declining profitability in the U.S. market, excluding one-off costs? Do you expect that to be profitable in 2023? I mean, we don't give guidance on individual markets. I think we uh, should anticipate uh, us continuing to invest in the U.S. It's a growth market, and we saw in Q1 those uh, fantastic growth figures from North America powered by the U.S., so I think it can continue to anticipate that we will invest in uh, in this market. Okay, there are no further questions right now, so I'll hand back over to you then, Ross. Great. Thank you, everyone. Uh, please don't forget to follow us on investors.acast.com, uh, of course, on our Acast blog, or listen to our financial results as, of course, a podcast. Uh, if you uh, want to receive company data continuously to your inbox, please do subscribe to press releases, news, and financial reports in our investor relations web. Thanks very much.